Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. I started thinking about uh, how that everything in our culture is do-it-yourself, DIY, right? I was in the, I, had, I went to a doctor this week, and I was sitting in the waiting room. And as I was sitting there in the waiting room, I noticed that HGTV TV was on, and it was all about do-it-yourself. I think, well, they probably couldn't have this network if it wasn't for do-it-yourself. You know, it just all kinds of stuff. And guys, let me tell you something: get rid of that channel in your home. All right. Uh, I, yeah, okay, that wasn't too funny, was it, ladies? I'm sorry, but anyways, it has caused me a lot of pain. That's all I want to say. And, uh, but anyways, as I thought about this, do you uh, do it yourself? It seems like that people are like, it's adamant about doing it yourself, everything. There's a book on do it yourself in every situation, it seems like. So I looked on the uh, internet and found a couple of books I'd like to share with you that I thought was a little bit crazy about do it yourself. So I want to show you a couple of these. So the first book that's coming up, it's coming up, it says, you're, you're immortal, how, you're immortal really, how to break the cycle of birth and death. Okay, how to break the cycle of birth and death. Come on, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, that's sort of crazy, isn't it? Oh, you guys are in shock, right? That's nuts to me. And then look at the next one. Look at what it says, this book. How to, to speak to cats, right? Isn't that a little crazy? I mean, like, I mean, is that out there to you or what? I mean, like, when I read that, I was like, are you kidding me? Somebody wrote a book on that. I mean, I thought you looked at the cat and went, meow, and that was it. You know, yeah, somebody else did that with me. But okay. Then the next one is this, is uh, do-it-yourself coffins. <laughs> do-it-yourself coffins for, for pets and for people. So you can choose to do it yourself with a coffin. Uh, and that's nuts to me. But this last one, I just want to tell you, just sort of blew me out of the water. I had, I don't know what psycho wrote this book, but I'm telling you, they whacked, all right? And this one is this. Here it is. It's coming up on the screen right now. How to poo on a date. <laughs> yep, how to poo on a date. Lover's Guide to Toilet Etiquette. Can you, I mean, like, so it, and I, I mean, that's just, I can't even fathom that. It's crazy. So everything that you can think of, somebody wrote a book about it. <laughs> How do you write it? Never mind. All right. How much is there to say about that? I just don't even, a whole book. I'm like, wow, <laughs> it's crazy to me. Uh, people are nuts, aren't we? And so anyways, it's, it's within this culture, I'm just saying that everything's about what we can do. That's what life's about. And, and you know, uh, I've made the statement is that, you know, if it's to be, it's up to me. And I've been taught that, you know, sometimes if it's to be, it's up to me. If you're going to do it, you've got you to do it yourself. But I want to tell you, there's some things that are beyond us that we cannot do. There's some things that are beyond our control that we cannot do and that we have to have God's help to do. It has, it's not about up to me. It's about up to Him. It's up to God. And so today I want to, again, remind you that the title of the message is this, is how to handle a problem bigger than you, bigger than yourself. Has anybody in this room ever faced a problem bigger than you? Anybody besides me? Okay, that's the majority of us. And many of us sitting in this room have problems right now that are bigger than us. And so God is wanting to speak to us. 
I want to give you this statement that I want you to remember the rest of your life. And I, I want us, us to say it several times a day. And so it's coming up on the screen. It says this. Would you just read it with me? Ready? Come on. Let's read. Here we go. It's not about... Uh-oh. Is it on the screen yet? Here we go. There we go. I, I looked at you. You're like, what are you about to say? Here we go. Come on. Here it goes. It's not about what I can do. It's about what? What God can do. It's not about what I can do. It's about what God can do. And that is life. Let me tell you, you're never going to reach a point in life where you don't have any issues, where you don't have a problem. They're, they're, that's heaven. It's not life. It, it, just, it just doesn't. You know, I meet young parents and say, you know, my kids, uh, you know, they're two years old and I can't wait till they get a little older and they can do this. They think, well, you know, they think, well, if they're not changing poopy diapers, it's going to be better than when they get to be in elementary school and have to deal with the teachers, you know. And then they get to be teenagers, you got to deal with that. And then, you know what, then it just goes on and on. You know what I'm saying? So everybody's wishing that they were at a different point of life and we miss life. But I want to tell you, God wants to help you deal with the life that you have. And you should have peace now. And remembering that it's bigger, that, you know, it's not about what I can do, it's about what God can do. And so this morning, as we begin to talk about how to deal with the problems bigger than you, I want to go to a, a very familiar story in the Bible, one that even people that are not people of faith would know, uh, most of us would, and most of them would, and that is the story of David and Goliath. Would you agree with me that that story is all about handling a problem bigger than yourself? Would you agree with that? Okay, three of you do. <laughs> okay, yes. And, and so that story's all about that. And what I want to do is set it up for you today and show you three principles out of this story that will help you that God wants to teach us from this story. Now, as I begin to set this up, remember, it didn't start with David beating Goliath. David was a teenager, uh, a young man, and then God had decided that the nation of Israel needed a new king. And he was looking for a new king. And so he sent this prophet down to uh, the place where David lived. And uh, he, the prophet's name was Samuel. And Samuel said to David's father, he says, I want to come to your house because God's told me to anoint another king for Israel. And that guy happened to have eight sons. And so he got excited. And so that guy said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, uh, I'll let you meet my sons. But David, he sent David out into the fields. Uh, instead of trying to bring David in on it, he sent him away. So the first point I want to tell you is this. Would you write this down? Is this, is let go of past disappointments if you're going to handle problems bigger than you. You have to let go of past disappointments. And so we're finding now, again in our story, David's brothers are brought, before, brought left there, but David is told by his brothers and his father, get out of here. Look what the Bible says. It says this in verse number 10. It says, All Jesse's sons were present to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are all of these, are all the sons you have, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field. What is he doing? Watching the sheep and the goats. Watching the sheep and the goats. And now they've sent him away, as I just shared with you. They've sent him away. Now here's what I want to tell you. Why is that important? Because David, I'm sure, begged to stay, but they said, no, you're going to say the wrong thing. You always do these stupid things. Get out of here. Go take care of the sheep and the goats. And what I want you to know is, is that um, some of the most difficult disappointments come from family. Would you agree with that? I mean, from, 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 from father, from mothers, from brothers and sisters, husbands and wives. It just goes on. Some of the most difficult disappointments come 
from family members. And what I want to share with you today is this, is that in order for us to face bigger problems in our life, is the first thing we have to do is we have to let go of past disappointments. You see, because if you keep holding on to a past disappointment, it will always keep holding on to you. And you're never going to be able to be the strong person that you desire to be or the person of peace that you want until you let go of that past disappointment. Now, to bring this into uh, to an illustration I think that we all can understand is that, you know, years ago when the, we, uh, the circus would come to town, we had elephants. And elephants would be trained this way. They would go out and they would capture us baby elephant, bring it in, drive a four-foot stake into the ground, and they would t put a chain around the, one of the legs of the elephant, and the little baby elephant would try to get away. It would try to get away for several hours, but once it finally realized it couldn't get away, all of a sudden its will was broken, and it wouldn't try anymore. It would just stop trying. And you know what that saying is? An uh, elephant never what? Forgets. That's right. An elephant never forgets. It remembers everything, right? And so because of that elephant's memory, that it could not break away from that chain when it's a baby, when it becomes an adult, guess what they do? They drive a four-foot stake in the ground, put a chain around the elephant's ankle, its leg, and then guess what? It never tries to get away. Although all they had to do, if it sneezed real hard one time, it pulled that out of the ground. But it, it never tried because its will was broken because of something that happened in the past. What I'm telling you is this is that because of many of us sitting here today, because of a past disappointment, it's like a chain on our ankle that's holding us back because we don't forget that. We keep thinking about that, and it's holding you back. And so I want to challenge you today to let go of that past disappointment. Now, listen to this. What is temporary will become, will become permanent if you don't change something today. What's temporary will become permanent if you don't make a decision to change something today. Just like in that elephant's life, that chain that was around its ankle became permanent. It could not, it said, I cannot do this. There's no way that I, I can do this. And it broke its will. And that chain, even though it was not strong enough to hold it back, became the barrier for that elephant for securing freedom. And what I'm telling you is what's happened in your past, if you don't let go of that disappointment, it'll be like that chain on that elephant holding you back. So go back to our story. Now David's out in the field keeping the sheep and all of a sudden the prophet said, hey, God hasn't chose any of these seven. You got anybody else because God's not saying go. And so they said, yes, we have David. And they send for him and David comes back and they're right there in front of his father and his brothers and everybody who shunned him aside, who said, you know, get out there. God does something different. Look what it says. It says this verse 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil. He had brought and anointed David with, uh, with the oil. That means he poured it on David, okay? And look, the Spirit of who? The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. What I want to tell you is this, is that even though people were trying to hold David down, even his family members, the disappoint, they disappointed him, when they were right there, God was out in the field with David. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? The Spirit of the Lord was with David before one of his brothers didn't shun him away, while his father shooed him away. The Spirit of the Lord was with David. And I want to tell you, the Spirit of the Lord has been with many of you in this room. Listen, you would be on crack had God not have your back. Amen? I don't know about you, but I've been through some stuff. Had not the Spirit of God been with me, I would have been a drug addict. 
I mean, the stuff that I've been through and that many of you have been through, I mean, like, there's many people in my family that are drunkards, and I know why, because they they didn't have the Spirit of God, and and you got to have some relief somehow, right? I I would have been a drunkard, a drug addict, and so would you. And the only reason I stand right here, right now, is because the Spirit of God that was with David has been with me, and He just somehow sustained me, and He somehow sustained you. Listen. The reason that you're here today is because the Spirit of God got you through what you was going through. The reason that you're sitting here right now, though some of you are walking through hell right now, and you're right in the middle of it, the reason you're sitting in this room is because the Spirit of God refuses to let go of you. He's got you right now, and you know that somehow He's with you, He hasn't forsaken you, and He's going to take care of you. Amen? It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God. I cannot overstate that. Look, look what the Bible says. Look at the next verse. Zechariah 4 and 6 says this. Let's read it together. It's a short verse. Let's read it out loud. You ready? Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. You know what that means? That means that God is doing what you cannot see. <laughs> that, that means you say, oh, God, God ain't, Pastor Jeff, God's not doing anything. God, I'm praying and God's doing nothing. Well, let me tell you something. The reason you think he's doing nothing is because you can't see what he's doing. You see, the Spirit of God is like the wind. Remember Jesus said, it's like the wind. You can't see the wind. You only see its effects. And I'm telling you that God is doing something right now in your life that you're not going to see for some time. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean he's not doing it. Amen. That is so true, and, and, and I'm telling you, it's just a, it's a secret to life, to being at peace, to know, I don't know what he's doing, but I know he's doing something. Amen? Now, the question is this, do you have the Spirit of God? That's the question. Without the Spirit of God, you're on your own, and, and I'm telling you, friend, you are you're in it. But with the Spirit of God in your life, he's doing something. And so, I want to challenge you today. Inside of your program, there's a prayer. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. This is how you get the Spirit of God. You ask Jesus Christ into your life. And that prayer is right there for you to pray. And if you, when you do that today, because many are going to do it in this room today, when you do that, just check it on the back of this card. It says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can pray for you. Amen? All right. Now, let's remember what we said. Let's say that statement again. I don't want you to forget. Here it is. It's coming up on the screen again. You ready? Let's say it. It's not about what I can do. It's about what God can do. That's it, the Spirit of God. The second thing, if you're going to handle a problem bigger than yourself, then number two is refuse to be discouraged. Refuse to be discouraged. It's amazing to me how that David moves on from that. And remember now, once he's anointed king, nothing changes because he was anointed, but he was not acknowledged yet. And other words, people of Israel didn't even know who he was yet. God said, I'm preparing you for something in the future. And see, that's where you're at right now. Some of you have been, you're being prepared for something God's going to do in the future. You've got to be patient for that moment to come. And so David's dad says, hey, I want you to go. He's a teenager now. I want you to go. I want you to go to the uh, battle lines. Israel had an army. David's older brothers had joined the army. And they were, bat- they were in a battle of just a, about 20 miles away from where David was. And uh, he says, his, David's dad said, I want you to take some food to your brothers, and I want you to let me know if they're still alive. So come back and let me know if they're doing okay. So David gets, loads up his donkey, takes some food, and he goes uh, about 20 miles, and he sure enough comes on the army of Israel. Right there they are. 
they're standing up on uh, the edge of a mountain and looking overlooking a valley. And notice that he notices that when he gets there, that they're, can you see it? He's looking down into the valley, and then he noticed on the other side of the mountain, you know, once you have the valley, there's a mountain on the other side, that there's another army. It's called the Philistine army, and they're over there, and they're on that side. And so really, you have two armies on each side of the mountain, and only the valley divide them. And guess what they're doing? They're yelling at each other and doing nothing. It sounds like Washington, D.C., doesn't it? Each side yelling at each other, doing nothing, Right? And so that's what they're doing. They're just yelling at each other, doing nothing. But all of a sudden, David notices this, is that there's a man that goes down into the valley from the Philistine army, the enemy. And he walks down the valley, and he begins to look up at them, and he says, all you people that are Israelites, the people of Israel, I want to tell you, you're nothing but wimps. And by the way, I don't like your God either. Your God is not strong. He's weak, and you're weak, and your mama's weak, and your daddy's weak, and all your children are weak. You're weaklings. I mean, he's, he's calling him everything in the book because he's trying to provoke. He said, tell one of your soldiers, come down here, face me in a battle, and then if you beat me, my whole army will surrender to you, all our people will surrender to you, and if we whip you, if, if I beat that person you send down here, then you surrender to us. And then every day he'd walk down there. But you know what? David couldn't see the sides of this guy. He saw him way down the valley. And David said, he just heard him say, you know, being a teenager, he said, oh, let me have it. You know, remember the day that you thought you could whip everybody? I remember that day. You know, oh, you think you, you whip everybody. David said, oh, no, no, no. He's not talking about my God like that. Let, where is he at? Let me go at him. And he was like, listen, no, 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 no. You don't understand. He's a giant. David says, I don't care who he is. He's not defiling the name of my God like that. And he says, you know what? I'll go down there. And David begins to talk to soldiers about, okay, I want to go down there. And, but his older brother begins to hear him. Look what his older brother says. His brother said, David's oldest brother, Elab, heard him talking with the soldiers. Elab was angry at him and said, what are you doing here anyway? Who's taking care of that little flock of sheep in the desert? Now, let's read what's underlined. You ready? Come on, read it out loud with a little attitude. You ready? Come on. You spoiled brat. Doesn't that sound like some of your brothers and sisters? You spoiled brat. You came here just to watch the fighting, didn't you? Now, here's what I want to tell you. Watch this. Never let discouraging people paint the picture of your future. Never. Never let them do that. You know, uh, graduation just happened here, uh, you know, in our community and, and around, and it's happening. But, you know, it, may, it reminded me of, of my days in high school. And, and then, you know, we have uh, these uh, reunions that we have, high school reunions that I, I go to. And you know what I think when I go to those reunions? You know what I, what I do is that I'll get my, aunt, my yearbook out. And I'll flip through the pages on my yearbook, and I will look, you know, at the people in my yearbook. And then I go to those pages that says, you know, most likely to succeed, most likely to do this, most likely to do that. And what it tells me is those people in my class were wrong. <laughs> right? I mean, like, you look at those people now, and they, they said, no, no, no. They were wrong. And, you know, maybe I'm a little bitter because my picture wasn't there. I don't know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that they predicted what was going to happen, and they were wrong. Listen, especially discouraging people, never let discouraging people paint you a picture of your future. Never let that happen. Don't let them say, you'll never be this and you'll never be that. Here's what I want to tell you. If you're discouraged today, what I want you to know is this, is that here's the here's definition of discouragement. Is discouragement is when you have lost your courage. 
Someone has taken your courage. You have given your courage to a situation or to someone. So if you're discouraged today, my question for you is this, is who have you allowed to take your courage? Who's taken your courage? Who's stolen your courage? Because if you're discouraged, that's what happened. Now, being encouraged is when someone gives you courage. And every time that you encourage someone, you're giving them a little more courage to take another step, right? And I want to tell you, listen, there comes a time in our life that we all have discouragements. And 27, uh, 2007 was one of the worst years of my life. It was horrible. Do you know that year I was, having a, I was going through a uh, financial crisis, a family crisis, and a career crisis all at one time. You're talking about being discouraged. I was so discouraged almost to the point of being depressed. And you know what? I did what I always tell you to do. I did four things that I always, I said, you know, you need to pray, read your Bible, you need to go to church, and then you need to get counsel from someone else that maybe has been through that. I did those four things. And I want to tell you, that was helpful. But the most helpful thing was none of those. The most helpful thing is I discovered during that time was this, is that God showed me was that encouraging people are encouraged people. Did you hear that? So what I had to find, what I, what I had to do is this, is that I had to find people, anybody that I saw being down a little bit, I found a way to encourage them. I said, listen, I want you to know that you're going to be okay. Your job's going to be all right. God's going to get you through this. And God's going to get you through that. And I was telling the truth, but I just found every way I could to encourage people. And, and what I found was encouraging people are encouraged people. And I begin to be encouraged. Every time that I would encourage you, I get more encouraged. Every time I encourage you, I get more encouraged. Encouraging people are encourage people and sometimes you have to do that now why is that important well let me fast forward David's life we're going to go back to the battle of David and Goliath in a moment but he grew up and he became a, a leader in the army of Israel and he was leading his troops out one day and he was fighting a battle and he won the battle but while he was gone guess what another enemy come into the community that he was living in and they didn't kill anybody, but they took every one of their, their uh, spouses prisoner. They took their children, they took their wives, their children. They took everybody in the camp out and captured them. And now when David comes back, all of a sudden he and his soldiers find their camp, their community has been burned up and all their children and wives are gone. Now look what happens here. In 1 Samuel 30, it says this, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of what? The soldiers, the people that went out and fought a battle with us said, we went out and fought with you, and we come back, and there are kids and wives are gone. We're going to kill you. Have you ever been that when the people that, love, that are supposed to be your supporters turn on you? And that's pretty discouraging, isn't it? And look what he says. He goes on and says, because the souls of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But notice this. Look. But David what? Encouraged who? How? In the Lord. Let me tell you something. There's sometimes that you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to quit waiting and say, well, I just wish somebody would call me. You've got to quit saying, I wish just somebody would text me. Oh, I wish somebody would post this about me. No, 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 no. Let me tell you something. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. And there's a time when you're discouraged. And how do you do that? Encouraging people encourage people. You begin to, the way that you encourage yourself is you don't just say, well, you can do it. Now. You can do it. You look in the mirror and say, now, Jeff, you can do it. You can do it, Jeff. No, 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 no. You look, you don't just look at yourself. You look at other people and you go find them and say, listen, I want you to know that your marriage can get better. I want you to know your finances can get better. You're going to make it through this situation. Your children are going to be okay. Your mom and dad are going to be, you can make it through college. You know, you can face that teacher, that professor 
confess it. You can do it. And you begin to encourage other people. And when you do, you're encouraging yourself. So I have a next step on your outline. Look what it says. It says this. I will choose to overcome discouragement by being an encourager. Would you check that box so we can pray for you this week? I will. I'm, I'm going to be an encourager. Now, one of the great ways to be an encourager is to be around people that, are in, uh, that need encouraging and make relationships. You know, one of the ways we do that at SEC is we have something called Growth Track. And Growth Track is an opportunity for you to find out more about SEC, but also more about yourself, and then also to meet other people. It's very encouraging. If you've not taken Growth Track, let me challenge you to do that, encourage you to do that. It would be awesome. All right, let's say our statement again together. You remember the statement that we were saying earlier? Ready? It's not about, you ready? Here we go. It's not about what I can do, it's about what God can do, right? It's about what God can do. Now listen, so let's go back to David now. Remember his brothers have discouraged him, right? They've been discouraged. Oh, go home, you little nobody. Go home, you little, you know, you little brat. Go home. And so David says, no, I won't go home. And he decides that he's going to fight the giant. And he goes out, and he goes to fight the giant. When he walks out there into the valley, he goes down into the valley, the giant sees how little he really is. And David sees how big the giant really is. And then David begins to uh, say something to the giant because the giant has just looked at him and said, oh, what am I, a dog? You sent a kid out here? He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to tear this little kid apart, and I'm going to feed him to the animals. I'm going I'm to take you down, little boy. And look what David says to him in reply. David answers, you come out to fight me with a sword and a spear and a dagger, but I come out to fight you in the name of the Lord all-powerful. You hear that? Look what he goes on and says this. He is, the, he is the God of Israel's army, and you have what? Insulted him too. In other words, you've not just insulted me. You've insulted God Almighty. I want you to know that. And sometimes we need to tell people that when they're insulting us. Hey, listen, now you're not just talking to me. I got the spirit of God in me, so watch out. Right? <laughs> Ain't that right? Watch out now. You can, listen, you might be trying to think you're just cussing me out, but God's inside of me, so watch out. <laughs> okay, never mind. That was for me. Today the Lord will help me defeat you. Notice that. The whole world will know that Israel has a what? Real God. Everybody will see that the Lord does not need a sword or a spear to save his people. Now, these next six words, don't you read them out loud. You ready? Come on. The Lord always wins his Amen? Amen. The Lord always wins his battles. And some of the battles that you have right now are not yours. They're the Lord's. And he will help us defeat you. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Is that David goes out to fight and he has a sling. Now, a sling is like a piece of cloth that's about this long. And they just fold it like this. And they make, it makes a little U down here. And they put a stone inside of it. And they will twirl it like this right here. And they will let go of one end. And when they do, the rock is supposed to fly in a direction. Now, let me just tell you something. If I had that doing this right here, I couldn't hit that back wall. And neither could you. And I'm not so sure that David was that great with it, with it. Because, you know what, he goes down and he don't have a sword, he don't have a spear. And that's why he said, listen, God's going to do this without this. God's going God's to use this little bitty stone to kill you. And so sure enough, he puts a stone and he twirls it. And the giant starts running towards him. And David just releases that. And when he does, that spirit of God we talked about grabs that stone and puts a puts a force behind it that makes it a missile and the only place that's exposed on that giant is right here everything else is armor and when that he releases that rock god 
put that rock like a missile and it goes right between his eyes. See, well, let me tell you, watch this. God used a little stone to kill a big giant. <laughs> you see, I just want to God is working in the little things in your life right now. You, you can't see it. That's the problem. You can't see it. But God is working in the little things in your life right now, and he's going to take the giant out. Now, remember, I don't know if I gave you the third point, but this is it. The third point was this, is trust God with the unexpected. I don't know if I said that, but you want to trust God with the unexpected. You want to trust God with the unexpected. Now, here we go. The unexpected. God does things in ways that you can't even imagine. So here's what I want you to know. Your plan is not God's plan. <laughs> oh, I wish it were, don't you? Because I would know it be getting, they would be getting done. Your plan is not God's plan, and God's plan is not your plan. And the things that are bigger than you are not your battles, they're God's battles. Goliath was not David's battle, it was God's battle. The thing that you're facing right now that you can't do anything about and the person that's driving you crazy, they're not your battle. It's God's battle. Quit trying to fight God's battle. In 2003, you may not know this, but our, class, our church was one week from closing. One week. In 2003, we had built our first building here, but it had been a year from Hades. It was horrible. And I don't know why, but I, I can't put my finger on it. I was praying about it. God, help us get better. Help our church. Help us Help us to be on mission. And the more I prayed, the more people left, and the more the finances went with the people. No money. And we had a brand new church. And our payment was $8,000 a month. And, of course, I was watching it very closely, you know, our finances, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And let me tell you something. Rhonda and I gave everything that we had trying to help it but it become more than we could do. And we almost bankrupt ourselves. And so finally, my uh, assistant walked in that day and delayed, that means the person that was watching the finances and our secretary walked in and she said, Pastor, I, I know that we've given you this report a couple weeks ago, but you gotta see it again. We have $8,000 in the bank. Our payment's $8,300. It's due in two weeks. We have the staff to pay, the power bill to pay. And I said, thank you. And she walked out. We were done. I'd been fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And finally, I just had to accept that we're done. This is still a little emotional for me. Because I was doing all that I could do. All that I could do. And I said, God, today, I, re I want you to know that I'm going to, I failed you as a leader and I'm sorry and next week I'm going to walk out on that stage of that church and I'm going to tell the people that we're closing the church down we're going to sell the building and God I'm going to move Rhonda back next to her family and God I will never ever be a pastor again I will never preach the gospel again I'm going to be a Christian I want to go to heaven I'll, I'll, I'll go to church but I am not God ever going to going to do this again I'm a failure and I am sorry and I'm weeping and I tell God this about 15 minutes to 30 minutes later, these guys come up and want to look at the building. I think, well, there you go, God. He's he going to help me sell the building, you know? I mean, they're coming. They come in, and I come out. I clean my eyes up, and I got myself together. And I walked out here very emotional because I, my heart had been putting 
given to building this and now I've got to sell it. And I said, guys, I'll show you the building. We walked into the, our old sanctuary and they said, Pastor, we're not here to see you building. So what can I do for you? He said, there's a, the first church that we had in Forest Park, we had owner finance to another ministry and they, they went bankrupt. They filed some chapter of, of bankruptcy that we couldn't even send them a letter asking for our money. And our lawyers told us, said, you're never going to get the money. And so we'd been a several years without receiving anything, and we said it was over. They said, Pastor, we're here today to, to make that thing right. I said, what do you mean? Long story short, the day that I said, God, I'm done fighting this battle, and I can't do it anymore. I'm finished was a day that God sent three men in here and in two weeks we had $157,000 in our account you know what the lesson was that day is it all up until that time? It all been about what I could do. What I could do. Oh, I could make it happen. I could make this happen. I could make that happen. And finally, I faced a giant that I couldn't make it happen anymore. And that day, I said, God, this is no longer the church of Jeff Dole. Stop Rich Community is your church, oh God. And you do what you want to do with it. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.